welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, today I'm starting a two-part series called I Didn't Ask for This, and I did this years ago when I had my heart attack. And uh, actually, we did that during a time when Apple Valley Campus was under construction, and we were tearing the roof off and expanding, and uh, we were being portable and doing all this, and a 1,000 people disappeared from our church. You talk about having anxiety, you know, and uh, all these people were gone, and then uh, the church has grown so much since then that I thought, I want to do this series again. I don't want to miss it. I felt like God did so much in me, I wanted him to do it in our church. And for those of you that are new, I'm going to give you the story and get you up to speed on me having a heart attack back in 2014. So we'll get there in just a minute. But I've noticed something when it comes to suffering. I've noticed something that when it comes to bad things happening to people, that we have like a ledger and we say like, this side makes sense and this side doesn't make sense. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, if, if something happens to, to, in our life, and you're like, well, yeah, I kind of was asking for it, or, you know, or, but if it doesn't make sense, so we have this ledger, we put things over there, and sometimes there's a, a direct correlation between what we do and what happens to us, but it doesn't always work that way. Now, again, like, when a celebrity, I'll, I'll use this as an example, when a, a celebrity dies, you know, and sometimes they'll, you know, it'll be a tragic thing, It'll be on the news. How many of you sometimes you're watching it, and this doesn't mean it's okay, it doesn't mean it's right, anything like that, but you watch it and you go like, oh, you know, Chris Farley, when he had a drug overdose, you're kind of like, yeah, Chris Farley, crazy man. You know, it kind of made sense. Or when Amy Winehouse, you know, had alcohol poisoning, you're like, okay, kind of makes sense. It, again, doesn't make it right, doesn't make it right, but you kind of put it in that category, like makes sense, or like Steve Irwin. How many of you are crocodile hunter, you know? And he, and he got stung by a stingray in his heart. You're like, you're like, wow, I didn't even know that was possible. But you're like, if it's going to happen to anybody, crocodile hunter. How many know? It kind of, it kind of fell in the maid set. And you're like, no, it didn't. Okay, but we have those categories. We, we put people over there and, and, and we say, this one makes sense, this one doesn't. And again, it doesn't mean they deserved it. doesn't mean it was right. But it's just like a coping mechanism, if you will. It's just a coping mechanism. But, and if closer to home, like if somebody we know that is an alcoholic, and they're an alcoholic, and then they die from that, you're like, okay, but we, we saw it coming. We, we put it in that category. But then when somebody has something tragic happen, and you're like, how did that? I mean, they, they were a perfect driver, and they never did anything wrong, and then they get T-boned, and then that goes in the doesn't make sense category. So we do this, and we realize this. And we know, how many know there's also those other people that are like, they, they're, they brag they're indestructible. How many know something like that? They're like, I'm unstoppable. <sighs> you know, and they're licking door handles. And you're like, ah. And you're like, that's just not, that, I don't know what category that is. I had a category for those people. You are on Romans 2-4 person. You are not indestructible. And you need to hear this. You need to hear this. Romans 2.4 says this. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? 
You are not indestructible. You may think you are, but you are not indestructible. It's God's kindness that is keeping you alive, and he's giving you an opportunity for you to repent and give your life to Jesus Christ, and I say don't waste the opportunity. Now, we don't always dodge the consequences. You know, again, it, we, we're living our life, and we're wondering, like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. How did this happen? You know, you're a loving person, and then your spouse leaves. You're like, I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. Or again, perfect driver, and then you get T-boned, and then you're like, I didn't do anything wrong. Or you never smoke, and then you discover you have cancer, stage four. And you're like, I, I, didn't, I didn't do the wrong things. Or you don't smoke, you don't overeat, you've lost the weight, you're eating salmon, and you're doing good, and, and you have a heart attack, okay? And that was my story, and that's where we get here. In 2014, I, I had a heart attack on December 11th, and uh, for those of you that don't know, where I say it, it, it's not fair or it doesn't make sense, um, prior to this, I was way heavier. I was way heavier, and I had uh, lost a bunch of weight, and I won't go into that, but that was my first book, Change Before You Have To. I was out with some friends, and he said, what would you do if something happened to Becca? And I said, I'd be a basket case, and I'd have to lose weight. And Becca's like, if I died, you'd have to lose weight, you know? And she goes, why is that? And my friend, like, I was looking for a lie to say. And, and my friend said, what he's saying is he could never get an attractive wife like you looking fat like that, you know? And so I, and she said, you lose weight for another woman? And I was like, I'll lose it for you. So I lost weight, and I'm eating salmon, I'm eating almonds, I get rid of the Twinkies and all that stuff, little Debbie snack cakes, and I'm doing the right thing. And on December 11th, 2014, I mean, I went from an extra large shirt to a medium. Like, right now, I'm wearing a medium. Matter of fact, I think they have the driver's license picture. I've shown it before, but it's worth seeing. That's fat Rob and skinny. I mean, like, you know, I remember when I was, after I lost weight, I still had the old driver's license, and I was flying, and the TSA guy goes, wow, good job. You know, I was like, all right. But it's like, fat Rob, like, maybe that would have fit, but not medium salmon-eating, good, healthy Rob. It didn't make sense. And on December 11th, I woke up that morning early, and I was working out, and I remember telling Beck I was going to get up early, work out, and then I was going to the airport. I was flying off, and I was going to meet with, a, uh, with my publisher. And as I'm working out, I was doing the insanity video. You know, I'm doing the high knees, high knees. All right, I'm doing the insanity, and all of a sudden, like it felt like a spring broke in my body and I just started to sweat profusely and I'm like what in the world has just happened and I remember thinking like I think I'm having heat stroke I think I'm having heat stroke it's probably heat stroke because I had just had a key man physical three months earlier and signed a major insurance policy for the church for our expansion that we were going through and the and the the lending group they wanted to make sure that I was insured and I passed with flying colors and then 3 months later this is happening you know talk about perfect timing all right but and in that moment I just I fell to my knees and I thought I'm having heat stroke I don't know and I thought what if it's my heart what if it's something serious so I go up two flights of stairs and I fall on the floor and and I'm next to the bed and Becca thinks I'm in bed. I'm like, Becca, Becca. And she's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm on the floor. I'm just sweating. And I, I said, um, I think I'm having heat stroke. I don't know what's wrong. It felt like a spring exploded in me. And she's like, you want to call 911? And I was like, I don't know. How many know, like, guys, we're idiots. We're idiots. 
I'm assessing. I'm writhing on the floor, sweat. I mean, like, and I'm like, I don't know, is it worthy of 911? Maybe 411, but not 911, you know, like, which it's worth it. Call, make the call. And then I was like, I, I crawled over the floor. I was like, so hot. And I go over to our floor in the bathroom, and I'm thinking the tile will be cold. And then I forgot we had heated floors. And I was like, ah. Oh. So I was like, call 911. Sure enough, they come down, and, and the ambulance gets there, and um, they said, you're having a heart attack. And I said, what, do I get a shot or something? Do I get a shot? And they're like, no, you're going in for surgery. And so, you know, at that moment, I, I start, you know, texting Becca, you know, like they get me in the ambulance, I got my phone with me and they got IVs in me and I'm texting her, I love you, you know, I've been faithful, you know, <laughs> you know, take care of the kids, you know, and I'm telling the boys like, love Jesus, I'm dead. And then I put a tweet out and if you were around back then and you know this, I literally live tweeted my heart attack. We have a picture, go ahead, put it up there. I put this 730, I says, I'm having a heart attack in the way to the hospital habit, please pay. God bless you. Like, I just, <laughs> I bless you. How do you end a heart attack tweet, you know? And so this is happening, and then we get inside um, the hospital, and the doctor goes, looks at the thing, and he goes, we got a real one. And I go, what does that mean? He goes, like, you are really having a heart attack. And I'm like, okay. And then they're trying to get my shirt off me, and, and, and it's stuck on all the cords. I said, cut it off. And, and I said, let's go, let's go. So they cut it off, and then they threw it over to the side. I said, save that shirt. It's going to be a sermon illustration. And here it is right here. <laughs> and I just want to say, if you're going to have a heart attack, wearing a global team shirt is a good shirt to wear. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I framed, I've, I've kept this in my office ever since, like just to remind me about this. And, and then they go and they do the stuff, and they, they take care of me, and, I, and it's, it's, it's I, I get, a couple days later, I'm out of the hospital, and I want you to know that uh, I was feeling great, and I've lost no, I haven't slowed down, I've moved forward. But in that moment, I just kept thinking, like, what in the world was, was happening? Like, how did this happen to me? How, you know, and the doctor said, you would have passed a stress test yesterday. Like, you would have passed, there's no blockage. Because people said, did you feel bad? And I said, I didn't feel bad. I had no blockage. It wasn't like 90% blockage. I felt good. And they said, no, it was just a rupture. It just, it just happened. Like, we w you wouldn't have been able to tell that it was coming. And, and I, I, I remember sitting there thinking, like, well, that was a waste of all that salmon and almonds and <laughs> insanity. And, I mean, I, I should have just eaten up and, you know, and... And done it. And then I, I realized, no, they, in, in losing the weight, the, my heart had formed collaterals, which are really like veins that are bringing more blood to the other part of the heart. And it actually helped me. So nothing was bad. And I've realized this, it's never wrong to do the right thing. Okay, somebody needs to hear that. It's not in vain. You, you may wonder like, well, I'm doing all the right thing. It doesn't matter. It's never wrong to do the right thing. I've lived this way since, like Proverbs 21, 31, do your best prepare for the worst, then trust God to bring the victory. I just like, do your best, prepare for the worst, then trust God to bring, for, bring victory. So after the heart attack, I got stuck in the why, and that's where we're going with this. There's a long setup to get here, but I got stuck in the why. 
Why, 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 why? And I kept saying, why? This is just not fair. Why? I didn't ask for this. Like, I didn't, it's not like, I, Fat Rob, yes, this guy, no. Like, this does not make sense. Why, God, why? And in the time that I was asking the why, I didn't know if I was gonna come back 100%. They said, we don't know. We don't know what the ejection fraction will be on your heart. We don't know what damage has been done. And praise God, there's just so little that was done and I'm back. I mean, I, I see no side effects of this. And, and as I'm asking why, God just stops me one day in, in my private time with him and I'm just having my devotions and he's like, you are asking the wrong questions. You are asking the wrong questions and I don't know what you're going through, but you're asking the wrong questions and you're trying to figure out is it in the makes sense or the doesn't make sense. And you're trying to figure out is it my fault or not my fault or whose fault and God takes me to John chapter nine and has me read that and that's where we're gonna go today. In John chapter nine, verse three, it says in the message, Jesus said to the people, you are asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. And God's like, you are asking the wrong questions. You are asking, you need to ask better questions. You need to look for what I can do in this situation. And in this story in John Chapter nine, we have the story of the man born blind. And this man is by the temple and he's waiting there and they would see him, he would be sitting there all the time. And he was right by the temple entrance, which by the way, when people are, uh, are religious, they're way more benevolent. So it was smart for this guy to be by the temple because religious people are way more benevolent. Every study has shown this. They're more generous, and so he's in the right spot. And of course, at their time, they would be going to the temple to make a, a sacrifice for their sins. So they're realizing they did things wrong, and they're feeling guilty. They're getting ready to make sacrifice. He's in a great spot to get some benevolence, okay? And as he's there, this is what it says in John chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, it's interesting. They are leading the witness, if you will. They're just leading the witness. Like, who did it? Like, we know, we got him. And Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. And Jesus said, Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some money, put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. It's interesting, this is an amazing story and the disciples wanna know whose fault? Who gets the blame? And as you and I read that, we're like, how in the world could he say like, you know, like him? They're like, was it his parents or was it him? Okay, there were some cultural beliefs that were going on that were wrong and they were false, but the disciples were aware of them. I don't know if they actually believed him, but they were aware of them. And there was like a wrong belief that was like almost partial reincarnation that while you were waiting to come to earth, if you were bad, God put you in a bad body, okay? Bad, false, not biblical, but it was culture that was going on around that. 
Another thing that was cultural was saying like, if people were born with deformities or something that was wrong, they said they might have sinned in the womb. While they were in the womb, they might have sinned. Imagine they're, you know, they're blaming, like, I, I, I didn't even get to, to be born on this earth and you're already saying that I was sitting in the womb. I don't even know who made that up. These are things from culture that were seeping in. And we don't believe that at all, okay? And that was culture, it's not biblical, but it was what was going on. And it's like, well, if it wasn't him, was it his parents? What is his parents? And so maybe they were thinking like, you know, God punishes people the third and fourth generation of those that hate him, you know, except for the problem is these people don't hate him. So they're, maybe they're twisting scripture or people would say like somebody had to, they were just kept, they were obsessed with the, the why. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? They had to get an answer for it. They had to get an answer for the why and there had to be somebody to blame. Now, you may not realize this, but blindness in ancient times was often called gonorrhea. Yes, the STD, gonorrhea. They would call blindness, that's what it was called. And they would actually believe that while you were in the birth canal, because of your parents' adultery in some way, one of them caused sin in, in their life, and it caused you to get blindness there. And so, they're wondering, like, who was it? You know, I heard dad travels a lot. You know, well, she looks a little, I don't know. Isn't that crazy? Uh, and and they're, they're like, who did it? Who did it? Like, who, who committed the sin, Jesus? Who's to blame for this? Why did this happen? And Jesus is like, wrong question. Wrong question. There's just so much wrong with this thinking. The first thing is that's wrong with this, it can lead to pride and like a self-righteousness of people that don't have the depth of tragedies that other people have. You start thinking like, I'm God's favorite. Nothing happens to me, I, I must be living perfect. And you judge that the fact that you don't have these hardships or these tragedies in your life, and so it's, it's wrong. That is completely wrong thinking. Another thing, it's just not true to the facts because Jesus said in Matthew 5, like he said, God causes the sun to rise on the good and the bad. He causes the rain to fall on the good and the bad. Like, stop judging like the, the results that people have, thinking that they're God's favorites and these other people, they've sinned. And then Jesus just rejects this outright of like, whose fault? Like, there's always gonna be somebody to blame because another story, we don't have time to go into it. In Luke 13, he references a tower that fell and killed all these people. And, and the people thought like, they must have been really bad because the tower fell on them. And Jesus is basically saying, guys, guys, listen. Everybody, like if you wanna say who's bad and who's evil, everybody deserves a tower to fall on them. Like nobody's good. And he tells them, repent, repent, get right with God. Don't miss your opportunity. And by the way, you are asking the wrong questions. You're asking the wrong questions and we keep asking, but you gotta try to have somebody to blame or something. You're just trying to make sense of it. And so hopefully with what we see in the word of God, we can make sense of the things we didn't ask for, the things that happen around us. The first thing I wanna point out is why these things happen is the world is broken. The world is broken. Romans 8 says this, the world was created perfect and sin entered the world and the world is broken. It is groaning. 
This is what Paul says. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. When sin entered this world, the world became broken and the world is groaning. And until God fixes it, there's just a broken world that we live in. And part of the reason why things that happen to us are just the fact that this world is broken. We didn't do anything wrong. We didn't ask for it. It's just broken. Another thing, a reason why things happen in our life, and again, we want to figure out why, but other people's sin affects us. It affects us. And so their sin affects us. You say, well, how does that happen? Imagine a, a, a drunk driver runs into someone and takes life. This person didn't do anything wrong, but this person, their sin caused great upheaval into their life. I think about Hal Donaldson with Convoy of Hope. Their whole world was changed upside down when a drunk driver ran into his mom and dad. And here they are, three boys, wondering where they're gonna live and what's gonna happen. And a family of church said, we'll take them in in a mobile home and raise those boys and just said, all right, we'll take you in, come on. It would be a part of this. And then from there, he goes and starts Convoy of Hope. And now they're doing like hundreds of millions of dollars of food and good and care for the people that are suffering. They didn't do anything wrong. It was sin of somebody else that did it. I mean, think about like a parent that abuses a child. The child doesn't do anything wrong. And a parent that's supposed to be protecting them, their dad is supposed to be their hero, and then they abuse them, and then it sends them down a road and a trajectory, and it sends them down in an anger and a hatred, and, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, their whole life is spinning up. But they didn't do it. They, they, the hero actually, you know, and so other people's sin affects us. Along with that, just other people's humanity. Like when I asked my doctor, I was like, you know, why did this happen? Why did it happen? Why did it He's like, it's in your DNA. So it's just, just your body. It's just the way you process cholesterol and the way, you know, just, it's just in your body. And I was like, oh, great, you know, thanks, mom and dad. You know, no, I, I, was, like, I was like, thank you. By the way, I think it's ridiculous when these people are like, I'm suing my mom and dad. I mean, I'm like, thank God for life. Thank God that they brought me into this world. Thank God. You know, I mean, I got other things beyond, I mean, like I was born with a caved in chest. They could have said like, uh, your baby has a caved in chest. Do you wanna have this baby? Thank God they had me, okay? And, and but in my DNA, I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. Just in my DNA, just in the makeup of my body. Society gets us into bad things. I think about this, like, okay, we've just come through COVID. That made in a lab? And we're all like being like, suffering and all the people that we know that lost their lives and all these different things that happened and the chaos that ensued in this world. Like, people are like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for a mad scientist doing gain of function or whatever, if that's where it came from. He's like, are you kidding me? Or let's make it more simple, less controversial, but okay. You take these countries that are impoverished and you're thinking, somebody needs to help them. What we don't realize, many cases, their leaders have all the money in the world to help them. 
There's food sitting in the ports in ships waiting to feed the people, but until the ruler gets their cut, until they get their take on it, they'd rather have their people starve to death than have the food make it to them. So these people are like, what did I do wrong that I'm starving? You didn't do anything wrong. You just got a bad leader that's trying to get their cut for their helicopter or their jet or whatever. And so we see these things and we're, we're all trying to figure out where do we blame it? There's all sorts of possibilities. I mean, even just this fallen natural world, remember it's broken. Hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes, all these things are happening because this world is just broken. It's just broken. And, and by the way, please, I beg of you, whenever there's a natural tragedy, do not be like, see, the hurricane hit New Orleans because God hates New Orleans. You know, don't you dare do that. A hurricane hit New Orleans because it's in Louisiana. It's right on the Gulf, and that's where warm water is. And, you know, all right? I know a lot of amazing people that love God in New Orleans, okay? And, and there's just natural things that happen because the world is broken. Here's one that we don't like. Sometimes the things happen. Why, God, why? It's our own fault. We don't like that one. Smoking two packs a day, and all of a sudden you're like, Why? Lung cancer, what? Well, two packs a day. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, and I, I love what Proverbs 19.3 says, people ruin their lives by their own stupidity, so why does God always get blamed? <laughs> so we need to memorize that one. You know, and, and you're doing those things, and, and, and so we have all these things. Whose fault? Whose fault? Why, 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 why? So as we move forward in this, and we're trying to figure out, like, because we don't want to be stuck in the why. We want to get out of there. Um, let me, let's move out of the why, and let's start moving towards the better questions, because now we know there's a lot of, we can't figure out why all the time. Sometimes we can, but not always. There's just all these other factors that are there. So the first thing I would say is to the church, stop trying to assign blame. You're trying to assign blame, and you're trying to say, it's gotta be this, or it's gotta be that, or it's gotta be this. Like, being totally transparent, like, you know, when, when we found out years ago that Connor had autism, I'm like, I wonder whose fault. Like, is it my fault? It was my genes, it was her genes, who genes? You know, stop, stop, stop. Stop trying to assign blame. Stop trying to, like, is it sit? You know, stop, stop. Because I've noticed this, that, we start judging people and we, we see their situation and we assign blame, like, oh, I bet it's this. And what we have is we have cognitive bias and when we like somebody, we give them the benefit of the doubt and when we don't like somebody, we judge them harsh. We're supposed to like and love everybody, okay? So let's start giving everybody the benefit of the doubt, okay? So we're gonna stop trying to assign blame and we're just gonna say, God, in this pain, we're gonna stop assigning blame and we're gonna just move forward. We're gonna move forward. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of like, wonder, like, okay, I'm not gonna assign blame. You're looking at the situation you're in. You gotta realize this, all suffering will end someday. All suffering has a expiration date. Like heart disease, like I will outlast heart disease. Because when I get to heaven, no heart disease, okay? So it has an expiration date. Won't have to take 
my statin, won't have to take my full-size aspirin every day, won't have to do that stuff. Don't have, like, I will outlive it in eternity, but all the pain has an expiration date. Revelation 21, 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Every time I take my pills, I'm like, I will outlast you. You have an expiration date. I'm living above this in Jesus' name. Another thing, God can use the bad to bring good. And I want to talk about that next week. I'm going to spend quite a bit of time next week talking about God can take the bad and bring about good. So in the midst of that, you're wondering, like, how in the world can he do that? Like, back to that story. Remember in verse 3, neither this man nor his parents said, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. The works of God are being displayed in us when we're going through the things we didn't ask for. We're going through things like, why? And God's like, I will display my works in you. I've learned this, that it, it, it just, there isn't just a matchup. There isn't just, it just doesn't, but God takes it. And only God, only God can take it and like say, I'm gonna make good come out of that mess. I'm gonna make good come out of this pain. I'm gonna make good come out of something you didn't ask for, but that happened to you and I'm gonna make that. And I found a progression that has helped me so much. This progression is this, like whenever we're facing something that we didn't ask for, you say like, what? What in the world? And then you go to why? Why? And it's usually followed by why me? Then you gotta leave that and leave that like, you know, whose fault? Why? Who? And you've got all these thoughts and you gotta leave it and go, okay, God, what's this for? What's this for? What do you wanna do in this? What's this for? And then I've even added another part to what for, I'm starting to live this way. What forward? What forward? Like instead of like why, I'm saying what, 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 what's for? What forward? Where do we go with this? What, what, how, how does this fit into your big picture? How does this fit into what you want to do? And how, what part do I get to play in this? What forward? I want to move that way. And I, I just want us to live differently. I want us to live differently knowing that I didn't ask for this. And I know that there's a lot of, it's, it would be easy living a comfortable life to start getting judgmental towards people and say, you know why they're in that ditch? Because of this. You know why they're in that drug rehab? Because of this. You know why they're in that prison? Because of this. You know why? You know why? You know why? And we can assign blame all over. I don't think God's asked us to assign blame and try to figure out who's at fault. I think he said, will you be the type of people that will help people move forward? Will you be the type of people that will say, doesn't matter how you got in the ditch, we're gonna lift you out. Doesn't matter how you got in there, we're gonna lift you out. Doesn't matter, we're gonna help you move forward. I don't know how you got in there, but I know who you can get to get you out of there. And his name is Jesus, and he can get you out of there. And so for me, it, it, it developed a greater level of compassion, and I'm praying for our church for this too, that it would develop a greater level of compassion because I, I could get judgmental towards people. Ah, yeah, I was, I was really good at, figuring out who's to blame and how they got there and what they're, and God's like, stop that. Stop doing this and start doing this. Start doing this and saying, hey, let's go forward. Let's go forward. So I'm praying that God could be glorified in your pain and your suffering and whatever else is going on, things that you did not ask for. 
I'm praying whether you did ask for it, did, does, doesn't matter. We want to be like this. We want to say, man, let's move forward. Let's move forward in the grace of God. Let's move forward and glorify God in the situations that we find ourselves in, that our relatives are, that our neighbors are, that our coworkers are. Let's just keep trying to move them forward and let them know who can get them out of that ditch. We don't, again, we don't, how, do, how you got there? Let's, let's get them out of that ditch. So Lord, I'm just praying right now that a new story could be written, a new compassion could be found, that you'd be glorified in all that's happening, Lord. And I'm praying that we would ask better questions. I'm praying that we'd ask better questions. What for? What forward? What do you wanna do in this? How do you wanna be glorified in this? Who do you want me to reach? How is this gonna change me? What part of my heart needs to enlarge? We'd ask better questions. And I just pray again that our church would be deeper filled with compassion. Deeper filled with compassion. And we just wanna help people see you as Lord and Savior, help people get out of the ditch. I even pray for people right now. I just felt it, Lord. There's some people like, yeah, but my sister, it's seven times she's been and we've rescued her and Lord, let them do it. Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Let her never doubt that her family loves her. Lord, may we just continue to love the way you love. You love us long-suffering, unconditional. We fail so many times, and God, you still love us. So God, help us to love that way. Help us to love that way. I pray for special strength for anybody that's living in something like, I didn't ask for this. I pray for special strength for them right now. Give them the strength to move forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.